They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now, they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are... Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of This is the two-man power trip of wrestling. I am Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, Primetime John Paz. John, what's up, buddy? Ooh, feeling so bad right now. How you doing, Chad? You feeling bad? How about, are you feeling like a wild man? I could possibly feel marvelous as well. Are you feeling very marvelous? Well, how about, are you feeling very positive? Yes, I am, actually. Well, with that being said, today we welcome Mark Merrow to the two-man power trip of wrestling. And what a fun, intense, positive conversation we had with Mark Merrow, talking about his Think Pause campaign and his viral video that brought a middle school to tears, as well as everything from his wrestling career. Johnny B. Bad, the wild man, the marvelous one. Feuding with DDP, matches with Brian Pillman. I mean, where to start, where to end? What are your thoughts? Man, he gave us a great amount of info, great interview. Such a positive guy, which obviously I think everyone knows by now with thinkpaz.org out there, you know, and all his viral videos. But I just love hearing about some of the controversial parts of his wrestling career, maybe even including his ex-wife, you know what I mean? Yes. Indeed, his ex-wife was uh, referenced, which I was uh, kind of surprised about because he does keep it pos, a.k.a. keep it positive, which I also kind of chuckle at every time I think about it with our primetime pos on our show. But, uh, yeah, he yeah. Uh, he didn't hold back, and he, uh, he went into it, and he really gave it to us kind of blunt about the whole uh, run with Sable in 1998 in the WWF, and it was quite... Uh, it was quite an interesting look, but I got to say, he was uh, uh, reflecting on Johnny B. Bad. He was a lot more um, happy about it than I thought. I always thought Johnny B. Bad was kind of looked upon as a joke. Yeah, I was surprised. He really, really liked like that gimmick. He said it was uh, basically his favorite gimmick that he had, and he went into a couple stories about it, which were great. Uh, the Dusty Rhodes stuff, as far as the Johnny B. Bad character, so funny. And his Dusty Rose impersonation is great. I mean, I've heard some good ones out there, but uh, the marvelous one, Mark Merritt, is a great Dusty Rose impersonation. Yeah, it seems like everybody's got a great Dusty, but his definitely was like a kind of like a hair above the rest, of, at least we've heard on our show so far. But, you know, I was trying to think about some things that we didn't talk about with uh, the marvelous one or the wild man. And I got to say, it was almost like I, I wanted to mention during that 96 run with the Intercontinental title that he kind of switched over from being the intense wild man to being more of like a glitzy macho man style uh, baby face. You know what I mean? With more of the sequins yeah. robes rather than just the leather and the whips and all that stuff. But we didn't get a chance to touch on that. Maybe we can in a, in a part two down the road, but you know, that that 96 run was 
definitely looked upon by a lot in the business to be quite controversial just because of the guaranteed contract. And from our talk, he does not shy away from that either. No, that was cool. I was, I was actually, it was a note that I left, and I was like, you know, with a question mark next, I was like, will we ask about the heat that was on him from that contract? And he kind of brought it up, and then we, you know, we continued asking about it, you know, saying basically, um, how did everybody feel? Like you were getting that guaranteed contract, and he was very honest, saying, you know, basically he was hated, and he was hated that he, you know, he was bringing his wife around, you know, and everything else. So, cool stuff from the wild man, the marvelous one, Johnny B. Bad himself. Uh, Mark Merrill. Uh, a lot of surprises in there, too. Very, very fun interview. Yeah, he's a, a three-time WCW TV champ. He's a two-time WWF slash E Intercontinental champ. Well accomplished. Golden Globes winner in the state of New York. Oh, excuse me, Golden Gloves, not Golden Globes. Maybe, uh, maybe his, hey, I don't know, some of his promos were Golden Globe worthy uh, when he was cutting those wild, uh, those marvelous promos in 98, but uh you know, that's enough the, out of uh, me. What? What about, I was going to say, what about that one promo with Tom Brandy? Oh, a couple of promos with Tom Brandy. Oh, that's, yeah, oh my gosh, that's another one. So the Tom Brandy, <laughs> this is another thing you want to talk about notes. In my notes, I was hell-bent on bringing up the feud with Tom Brandy, where he was switched from Salvatore Sincere into the big Italian, Tom Brandy. And when Mero started to call him out as a jobber, and a ham and egger, and you're a mid carter, you're a low carter, you're all this. I wanted to bring that up so bad, but <laughs> you had to pick and choose. Hey, hey, I agree. I agree. But it, it's a great one. Have fun. With that being said, prime time. What else do you have? Just got to go into the obligatory plugs first for the two man powers of wrestling. Like us on Facebook. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. You'll be very happy you did. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Rasslin Pal and at Two Man Power Trip. And of course, our wonderful website, tmptofwrestling.com. That is tmptofwrestling.com. And please enjoy Johnny Bibbell. Oh, he looks like little Richard. You know, John, before we actually do throw it to the interview, I just want to welcome in our newest sponsor, Celebrity Voicemail. And right now, if you go to celebrityvm.com slash two-man power trip of wrestling, you'll be able to take advantage of a special offer for our listeners to the two-man power trip of wrestling where you can get some very creative and unique experiences from some of your favorite wrestling superstars, whether it's a thumbs-up from Mick Foley on your graduation day or maybe an inspirational go get him from Kurt Angle on your wedding day. There's so many options that they have available. And you can even get a two sway from Bullet Club member Doc Gallows right before your bachelor party. It's celebrityvm.com slash two man power chipper wrestling. Again, celebrityvm.com slash two man power chipper wrestling. Hey, go there and check it out. There's some guests of our show. There's some people maybe we'll have on in the future. But without a doubt, you're going to get what you want, and it's only with CelebrityVoicemail.com. With us on the line today is a man who needs no introduction. He's a former WCW and WWE superstar, holding both the WCW television title and also the WWE Intercontinental title. 
But today, he's on a bigger mission. And as a champion of choices, Mr. Mark Merrow is making a difference. And with that being said, Mr. Merrow, we welcome you to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Chad, John, thank you guys for having me on the show. Our now, pleasure. Mark, thank you, had, you so much for joining us. Now, Mark, you had a viral video. It was a simple message that brought a middle school to tears, a very, very powerful message. Now, how did you, from being a wrestler to doing what you are today and bringing all this positivity? Well, you know, there's no greater joy than, than helping another person in this, in this world in our journey. And um, I have really found a way to connect with young people, the middle school, high school, and college-age students. And uh, Champion Choice was started in 2007. This is my eighth year presenting at schools, over 1,100 schools now around the country, around the world, actually. We even went to Russia and spoke at schools out in Russia. And uh, it's really just snowballed. But uh, you know, I, I really believe that it started because there's, there's two types of people. There's people that say something needs to be done, and then there's a person that says, I want to go out and do something. And I think I was guilty for many years of my life, always saying something needs to be done about this or that. And I finally got to the point in my life where I wanted to go out there and make a difference. And it started in um, in August of 2007 when I had my first uh, high school that I spoke at. And uh, it's just been a, a an incredible journey, incredible journey of, of changing and even saving young people's lives that are going through self-harm or, or suicidal or being, you know, bullied to the point where they don't want to be here anymore. How did wrestling influence what you are doing now? Well, when I talked about there's two types of people, what happened was um, we all know that when I was in the business, there was many guys that made some bad choices that, that died much too young. And, um, you know, when, when Chris Benoit took his own life and also killed his wife and his son Daniel – it was after that happened where I said, you know, I really want to go out there and make a difference. I want to go out there and share my story, not about what someone else did or, or point my fingers at other people. It's, it's basically what my story when, you, when I share my story at schools is I share where my good choices took me, and I'm very brutally honest where my bad choices took me, uh, drugs, alcohol, overdosing on drugs, uh, steroids, making horrible choices in my life. And then losing it all. I mean, not only did I lose my mother, which you saw in the video, but I lost my little brother and sister. They both died at 21. My my dad died while I was holding him in my arms, um, uh, you know, going through a divorce with my ex-wife leaving me. And um, But also losing many, many friends in the wrestling industry that I traveled with for up to, you know, 14 years of my life. And I think about, you know, all these losses and the difference that, my testimony or my story can make in someone else's life. And it has been just, um, like I said, an amazing journey. Now, how can you turn all that negative into positive with thinkpause.org and, um, the, you know, the champions of, um, sorry, the, the charity champions of circle that you have going on? Well, it's, it's champion of choices. And oh, I'm sorry, one champion of things I think that's okay. One of the things I, I, I realized, you know, is, is I, I've made so many bad choices. Um, you get wisdom from one of three places. You get wisdom from like a mentor. You can get wisdom from books and DVDs, or you can get wisdom from mistakes. <laughs> I'm the king, okay? And uh, But I found that in life, it's not so much about your circumstance or your situation. It's how we respond to it. 
in much of my life, I had a horrible response to adverse situations. I mean, I had a foul mouth and a bad temper. And I, you know, I realized that this is not working well in my life. I, everything around me is being, is destructing around me. I'm, I'm self-destructing. And uh, when I started making better choices, and first and foremost, I don't want to take anything away from this. It's my faith in God that really changed my life. But it really comes down to, you know, personal choices that we're, we make. We're defined by our choices. And once I started making better choices in my life, and then when, well, I should say this, once I changed who I was, you know, we always try to change other people, but when you realize it's you that needs to change, everything around you changes. Now, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I was actually champion of choices, and it's thinkpause.org. Sorry about that. But I just want to okay. transition um, from your great amateur boxing career. How did you be turned basically, you know, becoming a great boxer into becoming a great professional wrestler? You know, I was I was really blessed to be what do well in sports. I had parents that really supported me in sports, and um, I was actually my my first love was hockey. I went up all the way up to junior hockey. I played for the Syracuse Stars, uh, Buffalo Junior Sabers. Um, you know, and I, I I loved hockey, but um, it was in hockey that I was also in the penalty box quite a bit. In the off season, I would go into the boxing gym and. And then um, I just really fell in love with boxing and um, ended up winning the New York State Golden Gloves. I won the gold medal in the Empire State Games. And uh, I did real well in boxing and eventually found myself, you know, at the USA boxing team. I moved from uh, New York to Colorado Springs, Colorado, and trained at the U.S. Olympic Training Center. And that's when I decided to go professional in boxing. And then, unfortunately, uh, two weeks before my first professional boxing match, I had my nose shattered in an accident and needed reconstructive surgery. It was in that time off that I started really making some bad choices in life and really hanging out out with the wrong people. And that was my first mistake. And I I share with people that we become who we surround ourselves with. Your your friends, they're like elevators. They either take you up or they're going to take you down. Yeah, and that's uh, the the nose shattering. That was... uh... It was always kind of brought up uh, with your amateur background, and it was, it was always an interesting part of uh, the, the commentary of one of your matches, where your, your boxing background had taken you. But when you moved over to uh, WCW and you got your start um, on the big stage, uh, professional wrestling, and the, the, the gimmick of Johnny B. Bad was approached to you, how did it come about? Was that something that they, they tapped you with, or was it an idea that you maybe had and uh, everybody kind of moved forward with it? And no, it was not an idea I ever had. <laughs> Actually, you know, I was uh, one of the the enhancement guys or the jobbers that get beat up on television. And um, I was wrestling in a tag team match. I believe it was against Doom, uh, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. They were the world tag team champions at the time. And uh, they put a hurting on us, uh, me and the other, my other partner, and then after the match, I remember Dusty Rhodes approached me, and I just thought maybe I did terrible in the match or something, that he wanted to talk to me. And he looked at me, he goes, hey, kid, anybody ever tell you I look like Little Richard? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Little Richard? I mean, I, I knew who the singer was. I thought he was talking about another wrestler. And he goes, you know, wah-bah-ba-loo-bah-bah-bah-boo. And I said, no, I never heard that before. And he goes, he goes I think I got a gimmick for you. And that's how the Johnny B. Bad character was uh, first uh, first thought of was he saw me, you know, he was a booker at the time, and he saw me on the um, backstage on one of the um, uh, televisions. 
um, video cameras, and uh, that's when he gave me the the, the character Johnny B. Bad. It was born that day. And you can't mention Johnny B. Bad uh, if you're a fan of that era without asking about the theme song. And man, was that an interesting one. How was it to hear that every night coming out? Was that something you could uh, tap your foot to as you were getting ready to go through the curtain? <laughs> oh, brother, you mean uh, he's pretty as a picture? He looks like Little Richard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know what? It, I didn't take that. The, that character was actually fun to do because it was so opposite me, obviously. And it was just like a, it was like you're acting every night of this 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 silly character that goes around, you know, shooting confetti guns, throwing frisbees, kissing babies and acting a fool, you know, dressing like a nut. And uh but for somehow it worked back then and and people seemed to like it and laugh about it. Um it, it was uh it was it was a fun time, really was. And then another thing actually with your WCW run that stands out is your feud with a guy who also is greatly helping out uh, not just people in the wrestling business, but all over Diamond Dallas Page. And it seemed like Johnny B. Bad, Diamond Dallas Page were kind of joined at the hip for quite a long time, and it was, uh, it was great to view as a viewer. Now, how was it working with DDP, and, and what you guys are both doing today are, is phenomenal, and it's uh, he, testing he to you both. He is still one of my closest friends. I was just with him, and I was in Atlanta last week uh, um, speaking at schools, and uh, – DDP came out. We went to his new uh, yoga, DDP Yoga Performance Center, uh, hung out with him. Uh, gosh, he surprised me. He had uh, uh, Jake Roberts there, Scott Hall was there, Buff Bagwell, Eric Watts, Stevie Richards. Oh, my gosh, we had so much fun just reminiscing. Oh, the laughter we had on silly things we would do, you know, traveling together or or in the locker room or, or just crazy stuff we would do. Uh, we had such a great time, but uh, Dallas is just an amazing guy. I, I always kid him. I, you know, ever since I've known him, I always told him don't bet against DDP. He's just one of those guys that doesn't give up. He's just, he is the, he's the Rocky of the new millennium. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> and I couldn't be prouder to call him a friend. And um, we are actually collaborating on the, I'm going to be having a DVD come out uh, next month, and DDP's DDP Yoga Studio, they shot it for me, or they filmed it for me at the school I spoke at, because Dallas always said to me, he goes, man, you got to put together a video, and, and he had his crew come out, the video that went viral, that was shot by DDP Yoga. They came out to one of the schools, and they, they filmed that, and he goes, he said to me, he goes, hey, brother, they put together a video, you never know, it might go viral, you know, and over... 10 million people have seen this thing now. It's just been crazy. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Big-time viral videos, seen it everywhere. But he's, but he's so, he was so much fun to wrestle, too. I mean, gosh, we would uh, – I'd be – you know, he'd call me in, in the middle of the night, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd get a phone call. And I'd be like, you know, I'd say, who's calling me at this hour? I'd pick up the phone, he goes – Hey, bro, listen, I got a spot I want to run by you. Listen, when you go through the don't reverse the hip toss. Go underneath. And I'm thinking to myself, what, Dallas? It's 3 o'clock in the morning. He goes, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't sleep, man. I just want to run it by you. What do you think? I'm like, Dallas, are you crazy? I want to strangle him. <laughs> but that's why I love the guy so much. He's so passionate about everything he does. And now he's, he's, he's always been passionate about helping people. But now he's doing that in a big arena, a big arena, the whole world, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, speaking of WCW, you had a tremendous, tremendous match with Flying Brian Tillman. What are your recollections of him and that match? It was, I believe it was at Fall Brawl. 
You know, we knew being that it was a 30-minute match. I remember that Brian really worked hard to help construct a really um, a match that would, you know, raise some eyebrows because I don't think a lot of people thought, you know, I, I was actually very green. I never wrestled like a lot of the guys wrestled for years and years before they got into business. I mean, my I've only had a couple matches when I was first seen on television, you know. And so it was a difficult time. Uh, I was constantly learning, going down the power plant, learning new moves and trying to get better. And Brian really brought that out in me. I mean, he was uh, he did a great job, and it was probably one of um, one of you know probably four or five best matches I've ever had in the top five. I would say. What else would you you think you throw in there in your top five as far as your greatest matches? Um, I guess uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin uh, King of the Ring was a pretty good one. Um, DDP, we had some really good ones, DDP and I. I think some of my best matches were, were with DDP at house shows because we were able to go a little bit longer, and we would try. We'd always try new things. And we had some matches where, I mean, we had the people on the edge of their seats, and um, uh, so he was definitely in, up there. And, and Eddie Guerrero, I mean, gosh, Eddie was so – he was like the easiest guy to wrestle. You know, Eddie Guerrero was fantastic, and – uh, Triple H, I had some really good matches with Triple H. Um, uh, learned a lot from Steve Regal. Uh, there's some guys out there that really helped me along the way. I mean, Arn Anderson. Um, gosh, uh, going way back, even guys like um, uh, Raven when I first started helped me out a lot. There's just some guys that were just were instrumental in me becoming a much better worker. Um, Terry Taylor. Um, Oh gosh, Ricky Morton, guys that, you know, would work with me in the ring and would really help me, even though, you know, that maybe some guys weren't happy about me beating them or doing the job or whatever, but these guys were just always wanting to, they were business guys and they always wanted to make it better. And I can't thank, I know there's some guys I'm forgetting, there's some really great guys out there that have really been instrumental in helping me that were a lot of fun to work with. The Rock, oh my gosh, this guy, he, he joked around more than anybody I've ever seen in the ring, you know, <laughs> underneath his breath or calling a spot. He was always, he was such a jokester. <laughs> now, speaking of The Rock and uh, your jump to the WWF, what was it like when you jumped from WCW to WWF then? Well, it was, a, you know, there, the WWF was such a big deal because it was like going, that was going to the dance. That was like WrestleMania, you know. You really knew you made it as a wrestler at WrestleMania, you know. Um, and uh, I, you know, I, was, I was the first one to get a guaranteed contract. I had so much good stuff going in, but it also didn't never realize how bad it hurt me going in, um, you know, bringing my wife at the time and guaranteed contract and, it was a really tough time, and the character, the wild man Mark Merrill character, was very difficult because it was like I was coming from this flamboyant, crazy John to be bad to. They gave me the wild man Mark Merrill character, and I was like, "What is a wild man Mark Merrill? Am I, am I from a jungle? Am I like Tarzan? What am I? You know, am I crazy? <laughs> you know, I didn't, I never really connected with the character, and unfortunately, the audience didn't either, and that was very difficult um, because I was, I was starting to get better as a wrestler. You know, I was learning and getting better and. And I really was hoping that um, it would have been better. But, guys, I have no regrets. You know, I look at all the paths in life that, that we take, and I ended up sitting in this chair I'm sitting in right now in my office, <laughs> and I couldn't be happier in my life. So whatever good, bad, it all led me to right here. So I have no <laughs> regrets on anything. 
Yeah, and that jump, by the way, to the WWF was like WrestleMania because you did debut in a backstage segment at WrestleMania, WrestleMania 12. And, you know, as a viewer, you could see from there that they had big things planned for you, and you had kind of a, uh, a big jump that summer, a push, if you will, to use uh, terminology. And uh, you won the Intercontinental title in the fall. And uh, was that considered to you as a big accomplishment? Uh, being At that point, the Intercontinental title was really the number two belt, um, you know, in the, I, I wouldn't even say the promotion, in, in the country. Yeah, it was an honor. I mean, well, because remember, I, I won it in a tournament. I had to beat guys like Owen Hart, Stone Cold Steve Austin, you know, Ron Simmons, you know, some tough guys that, you know, the people would look at, wow, you know, you were put over them to win the Intercontinental title. And so it was it was an honor. And, um, you know, it was shortly after that that I blew out my knee and needed total reconstructive surgery. So that took me out for eight months. And, and um it just never really was the same after I, I came back. And, and, and knowing you know, that they're giving my, my ex-wife, um, Sable, a huge push, it, it was like, oh, my gosh, well, let's, let's get her over. You know, me and, me and um, um, Vince Russo would sit and think of ways to really put her over and obviously letting her Sable bomb me or, you know, me being the fall guy, the jealous, uh, you know, she, she, I was the jealous uh she was my manager, so I was jealous and insecure and all these things, and it worked out perfect because, man, they were backing up the Brinks truck at our house at the time, you know? It was just <laughs> incredible. But like I said, no regrets, none. Just uh, look back on things and smile. And the knee injury, the comeback from that, enabled you to go to the marvelous Mark Merrill character where you were able to kind of flash the gloves a little bit, you know, do the, the dancing and, and throw the fist, and that actually kind of led into uh, the Brawl for All, uh, which was in 98 as well, while you were in the middle of that character. How, how about that time, uh, that time frame and going back to being marvelous? Well, you know, the Brawl for All, I mean, gosh, here, here's a guy that's um, almost 39 years old, uh, you know, already 10 surgeries. <laughs> it wasn't like I was that, you know, that 17-year-old kid that was boxing. You know what I mean? It was like, I remember I boxed at 175 pounds. Now I'm, you know, 225 pounds. Uh, and I just was in no condition to be in the brawl for all. But it was still fun. I mean, I, you know, you still had that mindset like in boxing, you know, you're not afraid of people, you know, and you want to test yourself out and stuff, you know. And, uh you know, one one of the guys I I I, I fought was uh, Bradshaw, who was you know he's like about a foot taller than me and and obviously much heavier, but uh, we had a we had a great great little fight, you know, for you know the way we they called it a draw and we went one more round and they gave it him the decision, and uh, but it was a lot of fun. Now in the WWF that you mentioned, you had a little bit of heat, um, you know, to use the wrestling term there uh, over your contract when you came in and a guaranteed contract. What was it like uh, backstage at that time? Well, it was difficult. I mean, first of all, I'm the only guy with his wife with him. You know what I mean? I'm traveling with my <laughs> wife. It was part of my contract that I, I negotiated with Vince. That I want her with me at all times. And so that probably didn't go over too well. So I wasn't around the boys as much as, you know, guys hanging out together. And then, of course, you know, guys that are making very little money um, for for shows – and I'm getting this big guaranteed contract at the time. Um, yeah, didn't sit well with guys. And I can look back and understand why. But at the time, I really wasn't thinking about that. You know, I didn't think, yep. I really didn't know anybody really knew as much as people really did know. 
and uh, it was a it was a tough time. It was it was a, a difficult time because you couldn't understand why, you know, some of the guys didn't want to work with you as well or or as friendly. And um, I was always used to you know being kind of the life of the party and having a lot of friends and stuff. And WCW was so much fun because we we you know we always traveled with four or five guys and there's a lot of laughter and, and it was just, it was a different um, a whole different animal as WWF. Hey, you mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin before and Triple H. You had a couple of great opponents there. Is there one guy you can pinpoint that was your favorite opponent while you were in the WWF? Um, you know, I, I, I wrestled Triple H probably more than anybody. I, we wrestled almost every night together when I, when we, because when, when I had the strap and then he'd wrestle me every night. And then when he had the strap, it was like me trying to get it back. So it, I wrestled him a lot and gosh, I learned a lot from him too. You know, he was, he was a real, I mean, he, he's always been a really good, uh, ring general, you know, and, uh, same with Stone Cold. Those are two guys that I, in the WWF, that I remember that really were so easy to work with, you know. I mean, just uh, fun. And, of course, Ric Flair. I mean, who can go without saying, putting, throwing him in that mix, too? It was a night off. You see your name with Ric Flair, you go, oh, my gosh, thank goodness, night off, you know, except for the chops. <laughs> Other than that, it was a night off. <laughs> now, obviously, you were the marvelous one. You had um, the wild man gimmick. And Johnny B. Bad, is there a gimmick that you thought was your favorite that you were able to do? Uh, Johnny B. Bad, by far. I mean, it was just because it was so opposite me and so much fun. It was like it was like going to a play every night and being some silly character. You know, it was like funny, and the more you can get people to smile and chuckle about you out there, I don't know. It was just it was a fun character. If you could just throw out your plugs at the end, I could just throw it at the end of the interview. That'd be great. Where could we find you? Oh, man, guys, please go to my website, which is ThinkPaws, which is P-O-Z as in zebra, ThinkPaws.org, O-R-G, or you can always uh, follow me on Twitter or Instagram. Mark is with a C, Mark Merrow, M-E-R-O, at Mark Merrow. And um, uh, love uh, love to be on your show again, guys.